0: Chapter eleven of My Flirtations by Ella Hepworth Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven after breakfast, there was nothing pleasanter one could do than to sit out in the gravelled garden of the hotel under the palm trees and unfurling a green lined umbrella to bask like a cat in the warmth and it was here generally with an offering of flowers that m rené levasseur used to join us with his english sailor hat his gauzy parisian tie and a shepherd's plaid shawl gracefully disposed round his shoulders skirmishing and giggling heralded his approach he was on intimate terms with everybody in the hotel he had confidences for the landlady bonbons for the children and if i am not mistaken a special greeting for the boots in appearance he was hardly a typical frenchman blond thin and pale he had only the beginnings of a beard while his slightly stooping shoulders betrayed the habit of bending at an easel for m René was a painter one of the new school of vibriste. he did the most extraordinary little landscapes all in pink and mauve and arsenic green stripes which looked well enough about ten yards off but which were bewildering enough to our british eyes when inspected at close quarters Other French painters, however, were enthusiastic over his work. Tiens, très fort, ce garçon! They would say, gazing at a mountain put in with mauve and rose-colored lines. Beaucoup de volant, très amusant. Il est dans le mouvement celui-là. Il tient de Monet. Accustomed to the treacly sunset landscape as depicted annually on the walls of Burlington House, we were not a little amazed at Monsieur René's vibrations, notes of dazzling sunlight and white open air like most of his painter compatriots he was very amusing for the french artist unlike his english brother has a number of theories which he can usually express in a more or less attractive way to be sure he is generally a pessimist but to mention this is only to say that the french artist is eminently modern and if Monsieur Reni was a pessimist he was an infinitely diverting one he was one of the very few young men of our acquaintance who amused christina First, we were civil to him because we thought he was rather clever and impecunious, but we learnt later on that he was rich and that the cheap sailor hat and faded shawl were part of his pose. Frenchmen, whatever you may say against them are never snobbish, I announced one day to Christina, When do you ever hear them talk about their money? No, just as in England it is bad taste to talk of one's religion. Money is their religion, you know. It was our first winter in the south, The spell of the Riviera was over us. The lazy days crept by, filled with the scent of violets, the warmth of the sunshine, the magnificent panorama of the littoral. Our nights were devoted to cotillions, but I never could remember afterwards what we did during those sunny days. Our painter, who had claimed our acquaintance from having seen Father's pictures in the great, the unique, the epic-making exposition of 1889, was always turning up even before the midday breakfast he would run down to the harbour to see the english yachts come in or out or stroll with us to the flower-market and come back with his arms full of mimosa anemones and violets or he would take us both off for a day's painting in the mountains at least he and christina used to paint and i used to lie on my back and look on and eat the sweetmeats which he thoughtfully provided one day Monsieur René painted me he did me in a scarlet gown with a scarlet parasol in full sunlight against the blue mediterranean and i remember he painted my face in scarlet and purple zigzags even my worst enemy has never accused me of vanity but i must say i was annoyed do not be afraid mademoiselle i shall send it to new york you will never see it again those good americans only speak of our school Every millionaire of New York desires a Claude Monet, or, failing him, one of his disciples," said Monsieur René soothingly. And to be sure, on reflection, it did not matter much if my face appeared like a gaily coloured zebra on the other side of the Atlantic. But it was at night, when we went to dance at one of the villas or one of the hotels, that Monsieur René was in his element. Even your most pessimistic Frenchman will valse if you give him the chance. He danced madly, breathlessly, abominably but as a leader of cotillions our painter was quite unapproachable his tact his finesse his gaiety were admirable how easily we amused ourselves during those winter nights the drives back after the ball along the bay packed into the small hotel omnibus with our hands full of toys and ribbons and flowers the spoils of the evening while a large white moon lit up the coast and the pink and yellow villas were hushed for the night among the orange trees and palms how pleased m René looked when i brought home a lapful of tinsel ribbons and tea-roses he had begun to assume little airs of semi proprietorship which were amusing i think he already suspected me of cherishing a hopeless passion for him tenez je vous aime bien mademoiselle marguerite said m René one day vous savez bien que je suis fou de vous mais je ne voudrais pas vous épouser mais non mais non much obliged to you but i'm sure i don't want you to do so i replied with some acerbity i always answered him in english the french tongue is not my strong point but when i speak my native language to a foreigner i invariably shout without being indiscreet monsieur lavasseur may i ask why we were climbing through some orange groves up a hill and the glistening green leaves overhead were powdered with bloom and heavy with fruit he tore a spray of orange blossom down, and stuck it gingerly through my plates. "Tres jolie la marie," he said, laughing, "mais très difficile à amuser, oh, mais bien difficile!" There was a fatuity about this little scene which made me thoughtful for a week. Not that I alone was suspected of inclining my eyes in our painter's direction; no one, however unlikely, was safe in this regard. No one, from the stout elderly landlady to the youngest schoolgirl in the hotel, we were one and all supposed to take a tender interest in his proceedings. But I never realized this quite until the night of the tableau vivant. From which moment I fancy Monsieur René was convinced of my hopeless attachment. He was invaluable in our tableau vivant we did it all between us he and i and it involved the sending of dozens of notes on Monsieur Renis part weird little missives written half in french half in english which were sufficiently bewildering at first merci dear friend de votre amabilité c'est donc convenu vous me prêtez une queue et je serai une bête tout à fait convenable on répète aujourd'hui à quatre heures il y aura du thé en seriez-vous de la petite fête Very faithfully yours René levasseur wery was nice enough as an example of english as she is spoke but Monsieur René's devotion was expressed in other extraordinary english phrases which he had just missed catching from english ladies in pensions and hotels nothing would remove the impression that my dearling was a proper and ordinary way of addressing a woman like most frenchmen he had no self-consciousness the absence of this defect was made up for i suppose by exaggerated personal vanity he had therefore no more objection to making himself a false stomach with two or three soft cushions than he had to putting on a cardboard nose or running about on all fours as the beast indeed he was delightful wearing my new sable boa as a tail and wooing beauty in the person of our schoolgirl with quite irrepressible ardour in our pierrot scenes too he was charming taking my infidelities as pierrette with the prettiest grace in the world the whole thing was quaint artistic delightful Monsieur René was the hero of the ball that followed we were to leave the next day the morning broke grey and stormy and great waves tipped with white were lashing the pebbles on the beach as i sat in the hotel garden tired after our late night Christina had insisted on remaining upstairs to superintend the packing presently something dark fell in my lap it was a bouquet of votive violets while monsieur rené's quizzical face at an open window above announced to me my assailant comment toute seule in a moment a leg appeared over the balcony something bounded out and monsieur rené was bowing low in front of me pauvre mise marguerite he murmured why, poor Miss Marguerite? I asked in a high voice, so as to make sure he understood. Vous vous en allez comme ça en Angleterre? C'est si triste là-bas. Oh no, it isn't. We are going back to the London season, you know. We managed to amuse ourselves over there, although you can't imagine it, immersed as we are in the outer darkness and then m René told me of his hopes of a visit to london some day when the stormy waters of the channel would have subsided enough for him to adventure on the wild and desperate journey he told me of the experiences of a friend of his in london of a fortnight spent at a french hotel near leicester square of the hideosities of the english sunday of the flat-soled boots of ces dames of the equally unexciting conversational efforts of ces messieurs all the prejudices and preconceptions which the parisian packs up in his portmanteau on leaving paris and retains intact on his return to his beloved capital ah but london is charming all the same i objected the wind had dropped and the sun was already turning the sea-pines to a delicate greenish silver the day our final day was to be fine after all but it was time to go we were not however to leave in the ordinary and conventional way in a hotel omnibus and an express train but a large party of people were to drive us in brakes and carriages to the italian frontier and we were all to dine together at ventimiglia before we took the train for genoa Monsieur René sat close behind me in the brake and whispered reassuringly into my ear as we dashed along the mountain road with the mediterranean spread out below us and the rocky heights to the left at the vine-covered trattoria where we stopped to drink chianti and to rest the horses it was m reny who was so anxious we should all dance a farewell valse in the dusty and deserted salon while some one strummed a tune on the jingling worn piano which only woke up once a week when the peasants danced on sundays at ventimiglia where we all walked out to see the view our painter grew sentimental and at dinner at the hotel i think he managed to shed a tear but everything comes to an end dinner was over and now we were already in the railway carriage with our friends crowding round the open door and what a charming leave-taking it was everybody brought a farewell gift a bunch of roses a basket of peaches a spanish fan a china frog every kind of trifle that one can give and take without being compromised the engine was snorting mother was snugly ensconced and christina was getting out her favourite books the guards had three times announced the imminent departure of the train, and still Monsieur Renee, climbing once more into the carriage, knelt in mock tragedy at our feet. A horrible suspicion came over us that he meant to come too. But a final whistle sounded. Monsieur Renee rose to his feet and, crushing my fingers, bent over me as he whispered tenderly, soothingly, reassuringly the words: L'avenir est aux audacieux. Je viendrai. Needless to say, my Parisian admirer has not yet braved the terrors of the Channel passage for my sake. Now and again he sends a Figaro or a Gaulois containing a fervid article about his pictures, for Monsieur Rene, it would seem, is on the way to fame. And once or twice he has written to say that he intends to come and make serious studies of ses etonnants brouillards de Londres. But he never comes, nor does he, I shrewdly suspect, intend to. Paris has swallowed him up. End of chapter 11